She's a mother, she's a fighter, hard worker, she's a beast. Advocating for the mothers, call it mom, book a seat. Hey, make it happen, do whatever for her family. Never doubt her, got the power, this is mom, book a seat. Woo! Hey, hey, this is Y. And this is Nikki. And we, we made an oath to be boisterous. Yes, ma'am. We are making an oath to be boisterous. So here's a little thing about us. Nikki and I met, how long ago, Nikki? Two years. Wow, it's two been years two years? Plus. Wow, it's been two years, y'all. And so um, what a lot of people may not know and you guys going to get to know I am also the founder of a nonprofit called Autism Sprinter, and Nikki does her own thing called Boston Girl TV on YouTube and Instagram. Yes, and let me tell you, y'all need to follow her because her content is so dope and she keeps it so real about her journey as an autism mom. So we met each other two plus years ago. She had reached out to me as uh, the founder of Autism Sprinter uh, because she was re you were referred to me, right? Actually, I wasn't referred. Uh, I had an uh, occupational therapist and early intervention that was just bomb. Mm. And once she found out, once we got the diagnosis that Ava was autistic, uh, their early intervention had a calendar of all autism events that were going on in the Boston area. At this time, I had met one other autism parents, and we realized that we needed to network to learn things that we didn't know how to do. And that's mm -hmm. always been my thing. If you don't know how to do it, network with people trying to do the same thing. So I knew that would be important. So one of the events was Wise at a Jumpy Place, right? Mm -hmm. What was yeah. it? It was, uh, what was it? Launch. Launch. Yes, In Launch. In Needham. Right. Mm -hmm. Was it Needham? Uh, Dedham, Dedham. Dedham. So it's launching Dedham. So what happened was I uh, called her because I couldn't figure out how to pay for the tickets. Mm -hmm. And I called her. She had a number attached. And we ended up on the phone for two hours, yes. right? And then she offered us free tickets. Yeah. And so this was amazing because I'm going to tell you guys, when I first had my first conversation with Nikki, I already knew that I was talking to a very special parent. And it's very rare that you find parents who are boisterous, who are always asking questions and literally just need to know. And so when you find those parents, girl, I don't know about you, but I'm like, whoa, it's like, it's like this magical song comes out in the background and you're like yes I found my mom my sister that's what's up <laughs> and so we had like she said a two-hour conversation and she had all these questions that I honestly as a founder and also as a parent barely hear and so we instantly connected and at that moment we just started growing our relationship and um most recently you know, I've been talking to her about a podcast for a long time. And I'm like, over, oh, a year. over a year. And I'm like, man, but I don't want to do this by myself. Like, I feel like we want to do this. I want to do this as a we thing. Because I always believe there is no I in team. I feel like we are powerful together more than we are alone. And so there was no way that I was going to do this podcast without 
an amazing parent and there was nothing more amazing than connecting with Nikki to make this happen. So I get to launch and I meet this Puerto Rican girl coming hey. with all the flavor and I was like, yes. And we started talking and the thing I loved about why was she was so freaking informative because in this autism journey, I realized nobody knows shit. Like everybody knows no. a piece and nobody can tell you the rest. Mm -hmm. Like nobody can tell you it's social security income base. How do you apply for the secondary insurance? This, that is like everything is remedial and you got to figure it out for yourself mm -hmm. and meeting other people who knows what's going on. I walk through those shoes was imperative. Mm -hmm. So then she introduced me to another autism mom. Let's call her a, yeah. And she's the one I was just about to put Ava in Boston public schools. And this mother said, Oh no, I wouldn't put my daughter in Boston public schools. And then I said, well, where do you put them? Put your daughter. She says an autism center. I'm like, what's that? That's the, you know, I've heard of them on YouTube, but I didn't know Massachusetts had any. So then she gave me all the information and me and that other mother who came with me were at that autism center by that next Friday. And both our daughters were enrolled. Now, the girl who came with me had the Primo insurance. Blue Cross Blue Shield. So her daughter was immediately put in that damn program. Mm -hmm. Me with the mediocre insurance that I spend a lot of freaking money on, they argued, fussed, and fight, fought me to, to not pay for this autism center. I had to call um, the Massachusetts Insurance Commissioner. I had to put in complaints, all types of stuff to get this autism center approved because Massachusetts has a mandate that they will pay for autism services. Mm -hmm. So it was illegal for them to deny me, but they kept trying to detour me to home ABA, which I didn't mind home ABA. I minded that there's not enough people to do home ABA to ever get the hours that you need because she was supposed to get 15 hours in early intervention. I think we have only made it up to eight. Mm. Even by the two, the year and a half that she had ABA, we only made it up to eight. We kept losing people. They kept going to school and quitting and all types of stuff. So the autism center was 40 hours of ABA. Now, the thing I liked about why was she taught me how to advocate because people want to drop these kids off at an autism center and think, oh, they're going to fix my kid. My kid's going to do all this stuff. And that is, you know, my kid is doing stuff. You know, I celebrate all her milestones, but she's still delayed. She's still behind. And it was not a straight up trajectory uh, mission. Mm -hmm. She has backtracked. We've incorporated seizures and sleeping issues and all mm -hmm. other things on the autism spectrum. And also, most people who work in autism are young, mm -hmm. fresh out of college, okay? And most of the techs do not have the background to work with autistic kids. They take these kids with the college degree and they train them how to work with your kids, mm -hmm. okay? So you also have to direct them to what you want your kid to learn. That mm -hmm. you cannot just sit on your laurels and drop the kid off or whatever mm -hmm. because they kept sending me home. Oh, she's doing this and doing that. And I didn't see it transitioning home. So I started taking a closer look to what was really going on in that autism center and kicked up dirt. Would I put her in Boston Public Schools and make a different choice? No, I wouldn't. 
But I feel like whatever choice you make, whether it's the school, an autism center, you need to be the parent that they're not looking over. Like they're they're not just warehousing your kid in a corner. Like they are teaching your kid something. And if they're not learning, then your next question should be why? <laughs> what What's the problem? What do you need? Because here's the thing. Our kids don't learn the average way. Mm-hmm. So if it's not working, you tell them to find another way. Mm-hmm. And she ain't lying about that because when she met me, I was at a point with special education in the town that I live at where I was just done. I'm like, these people, I, I, I'm tired of debating and trying to not just be an engaged parent. I want to be an involved parent because there's a difference between being engaged. You telling me to kind of show up to the PTO meetings and the CPAC meetings and the school site councils and, you know, show up to, you know, open house nights. Yeah, I can do that. But I want to be involved in a process. I want to know how you're teaching my child. How can I reflect that at home and how can I be part of the process and most importantly you know this whole special education process and IEPs as I say it's like going to an IEP meeting it's like a mob sit down like you're sitting there it's dumb on one side they all specialists they all these important people and then you're over here feeling lonely as heck and so but at no time no one ever stops and say hey mom these are the resources that you can attain, attain. Hey mom, you know, these are the things that you can do at home. It's like you're constantly trying to figure out how all of this works. And it's not easy. And I was just at a point where I was literally tagging the school district on my social media post and um, getting kicked out of like local town Facebook groups. <laughs> And literally, if I would have known my superintendent's mother's name, I probably would have tagged her on my post, okay? Because that's how I was feeling. I was done. And so then I just started thinking differently. I was like, I'm about to just rally up the troops. And after, you know, saying we're going to rally up the troops, I literally started, you know, reaching out to different parents in the community where I live at. And we kind of started messaging each other on social media. And we just started showing up at school committee meetings and started holding people accountable, holding our public servants accountable, tagging them on our post and, you know, making demands. And, you know, um, I would show up at school committee meetings and one of the school committee members would be like, here comes trouble. And I'd be like, no, hashtag here comes trouble. And so we, you know, I, I just, I just ended up being one of those parents where I'm like, listen, you know, I literally had to put my career on hold to advocate because advocating is literally a full time job and working at a public school system and then having to put my career on hold because I needed to ensure that my children were getting equitable education and, you know, holding people accountability accountable, you know, was became my priority. And so starting with accountability, I had to hold myself accountable to asking questions, you know, researching stuff online, taking the children of the Federation of Children with Special Needs, parent, um, parent uh, consultant, 
training, you know, to become a certified advocate. I did that training and sleepless nights and just doing a whole lot of stuff. And, you know, my journey literally started, you know, putting my personal journey as a special needs mom online. And it's, it's been difficult, man. What I have to say is I feel that our community, with why being Puerto Rican and me and being African American, mm-hmm. that a lot of us don't step up to the plate. Mm-hmm. We're not the loudest voice. We're not um, fighting a good fight for our children. And there's a lot of reasons to that. I can't down all our people. I, I mentioned it to early intervention, and she said, well, look. If their first concern is putting food on the table mm-hmm. and a roof over their head, this child's sure. special need comes last, which I understand. But also parents who have time don't necessarily make it a priority mm-hmm. either. Mm-hmm. So the point is a closed mouth don't get fed. If you're the loudest voice in the room, they're going to pay attention to you. Mm-hmm. They're not going to put it, you know, it's just for me. What I realized is that not a lot of people come out for their kid. When I realized that a friend who put their child in um, a Boston public school preschool, that she was the only parent that showed up on the first day. This is a special needs autistic classroom. And out of nine kids, she was the only one who showed up on the first day. After a complete year of school, she only met one other parent. It's very disheartening. It it doesn't make you feel good. Um, For me, I'm a single mother by choice, so I chose to bring this child into the world. And thank God for my mother who's retired because I don't really know what the future holds. I don't don't know what special needs daycare looks like, special needs after school. Mm -hmm. I don't know what none of that looks like. And for all those autism parents, I'm going to tell you like this, take it one day at a time. Me projecting about something that hasn't happened yet is a waste of time that just goes into depression and stress. And I need to focus on this child today. Facts and facts only, you know, and like Nikki said, you know, as a Latina woman and I was going when I decided to I'm like decided to say I, I need to start taking trainings I need to go to the conferences the reality is that it I'm, I'm fairly light-skinned but it wasn't too many Latinos in the space there wasn't a lot of African-American people in the space um, there were, weren't a lot of Asian people in the space not a lot of Caribbean Islanders in the space. So every time I would go to a lot of these places to seek resources and understand systems, not too many people came from where I came from. And so it was, it was, it was hard because the connection wasn't there. And so me and Nikki literally, when we first talked about it, this was our first conversation that literally lasted for two hours because we're like, where is, the disconnect in disenfranchised communities and uh, communities of color. Where is the the boisterous parents? Okay, so my beef is do not think that your voice doesn't matter. And I am an email demon and I will call... (laughs) And my big thing is my aunt worked in um, customer service. She was a customer service supervisor for um, insurance companies. And she says to me, everybody has a boss. Mm-hmm. Who's your boss is mm-hmm. my question. Mm-hmm. Who's your boss? And if that doesn't work, I want to know the next person's boss. Well, who's the manager? Who's this? Mm-hmm. Who's that? 
And that has worked in my favor. And I hate to say it, I don't have no problem throwing people under the bus for my baby. And I have done it. So when you know you got them, when they start bringing in personal stuff into the conversation, well, you know, we lost an employee. And da, 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 da. I said, well, that is none of my business that you lost an employee. You know, when they were trying to drag on the insurance situation, mm-hmm. that has nothing to do with me. And I put in a formal complaint that they're telling me this. Mm -hmm. to detour the services that I pay a lot for in insurance, you know? Mm -hmm. So I feel like everybody has a boss, even in the school system. And why is going to tell you more about how to work your way through the school system? Oh, my goodness. Let me tell you, as this is this part is not easy. I think this is the most difficult part to navigate is navigating the public school system, special education world. It, because it's all political. And don't ask me why it has to be so political and why policies and procedures and laws were created way before our kids were even in existence. So all these laws, policies, and procedures were created before my child was born, before you know Nikki's child was born, and maybe some of you guys' child that were born. And so... What I will say to you that the process of navigating special education requires a lot of attention. Never, ever, ever sign your IEP or your 504 plan at there at any meeting. And furthermore, before you go to your IEP meeting, you are supposed to be given documents ahead of time. If I'm not if I'm not mistaken, it's two days before the meeting. You're supposed to already have access to any new assessments that they've done, any progress reports that you need to access. All that stuff is supposed to be given to you two days prior. If you don't have that, you can you are in your legal right to say, nope, we're not meeting on X, Y, and Z day because you did not give me the reports. And remember remember that all things are done by business days. And so that means that if your IEP meeting's on a Friday, you have to have those documents by Wednesday, by the end of the school day. And if your IEP's on a, on a uh, let's say on a Monday, you're, you should have those records by Thursday. Um, and then, you know, literally like that. And so never sign anything, make sure you get those documents prior so that when you go into this meeting, you can generate a list of questions that you have to ask and make sure that you always visit your, your local districts, um, department of education website, look at the educational standards and, you know, common core standards and the frameworks and make sure that they all are aligned with what your child is supposed to be learning at that age. Even if your child is not supposed to be making prog, it's not making progress at their age level or, or grade level, your child's IEP should reflect at the age level and, uh, grade level that your child is performing at. And so needless to say is it's all about holding people accountable and asking questions. And if you feel like you're lost, sit there and half of the time, mm-hmm, yep, mm-hmm, absorb everything in. Um, and then if it's too much for you to ask at that particular moment, give yourself 
you know, a few hours to digest that and then email these people and say, I have questions. These are the questions that I have. I'm a little confused about this. I'm a little confused about that. Or I appreciate this. I appreciate that. Um, because it literally is a, a conversation. It has to be a two-way conversation because they're not going to stop doing what they're doing to literally break down words and break down everything to you at that particular moment. They probably don't even have the time. So I have to say in the IEP process, they know who they can pull the wool over and who they can't. They know who's going to rubber stamp whatever they say because they get you like this. They only say good shit about your kids. So then you think we're all on the same page. We want good stuff. But then we only want one-time speech. Well, she doesn't talk. Why do she only get one-time speech? Well, didn't I just give you this laundry list of the great things about your kid? And I'm thinking, but I was there when you tested her. She didn't even talk to you. She didn't interact with you at all. But you want to give her one-time speech. So what I realized was I was not up for this challenge. So I found me an advocate. And if you're low-income, there are free advocates And I'm not low income, so I had to pay somebody out the pocket. And he did give me a flat rate, which worked for me, opposed to hourly, because I didn't want to, like, spaz out the clock for something I couldn't afford. Mm -hmm. But it's funny. When I was there the first time, it was their attitudes were totally different when that man was sitting there, Mm -hmm. even though he didn't do much. He but they knew that they couldn't BS me. Because he was sitting there. And now I feel like I'm more well-versed in my own power that I don't need somebody sitting there. But at the time, I really did. I really felt behind the eight ball. And someone else sitting there, it doesn't even have to be an advocate. It could be a why. It could be Mm -hmm. a friend. It could Mm -hmm. be somebody who's went through the process before. Or also, and we're going to do an episode about this, um, the personality for advocacy. Because everybody don't have that personality. No, no. I do have one of these Boston, Northern, hard, pushy ass (laughs) personalities. But at the time... I can't be pushy when I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. That's true. So I, I, I do have a pushy personality, but I'm not just going to talk out of my ass in a meaning. Like, so if I don't know what I'm talking about, it's going to be the end of the subject. I need to educate myself before I speak to get things done properly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's true. It's literally about asking questions and holding people accountable. And what I always recommend through the process of special education, know who's in the room and know who they are in their title. Also, every state should have this. If the specialist person who is sitting in that room, who's offering a service, they have to be educational based because an IEP and a 504 plan are legal abiding documents. So it's like literally a a consultant. So if you hire somebody to come to your house to do, you know, work on the yard or your windows, you signed a contract and that person has to abide by what the work that they're supposed to do. And so there's no different with, with the IEP in 504. It's a legal abiding contract and people have to honor those contracts. And so again, kind of going back to the special education, how to navigate it is know who's in that room, know their names, make sure you have their emails. Um, and, also look them up. 
Look them up and make sure that they're really certified and licensed to do the work that they're supposed to do. Um, and, and, and also making sure that they're documenting the times that they're visiting your child and the service that they're offering, what time, what date, how long was it. Those are the things that you have to know. And this is how me and Nikki just really developed this relationship because that's how we think. We think that parents have to know. And the only way that we're going to find out is if we ask questions because we can expect them to literally stop what they're doing to tell us because sometimes holding people accountable is asking them to do their job. And it's too much for some people sometimes, you know, and it, it, and it kind of goes back to if they expecting us as parents to do our job meaning we have to feed, clothe our kids, send them to school every day. And, and that's our legal responsibility to parent. And if we don't do that, the school district has every right to call, you know, the Department of Children and Families on you. So if they have that legal right to file 51As on families for not parenting and not owning up to their responsibility, how do we hold them accountable? And, you know, that could mean on the end, if people are not doing what they're supposed to do, you can file complaints through program assurance and the Department of Education in your state. But again, navigating special education, and you're going to hear a lot, a lot of this through our, you know, podcasting. It's all about taking the time and effort and understanding systems and holding people accountable. So with that being said, guys, you know, um, Stay tuned. Stay tuned to listen to what we're going to bring to the table as, you know, vocal mommies and mommies who are really making an oath to speak about it, talk about it and be about it, you know, because we need to raise the noise when it comes to parenting children with unique abilities, um, because, you know, people don't think about their future. And we always have to think about their future. And we want them to have the same access as any other child in any space and have the ability to have opportunities just like any other child. You know, some of our kids might not be able to do that depending on, you know, the level of disability that they have. But for those who have the ability, let's challenge that and give it and give them the opportunity to grow. You know what I mean? Also, we're not just here about IEPs and the special needs children. Yeah. We are here about the moms or the dads and the parents and what we're going through emotionally, mm -hmm. socially, um, economically. We're here to talk about all subjects, mm -hmm. all subjects that us as special needs parents and parents mm -hmm. alike um, have to deal with on a regular basis. It's just... To me, I tend to stay away from my neurotypical friends, you know, parents that have neurotypical kids because I just feel like they don't understand mm -hmm. my plight. They don't understand what I'm going through. They don't even understand <laughs> what's going on in a day when you sit there mm -hmm. and talk to me. Oh, little Johnny did this. And, you know, I'm dealing with a potty training five-year-old. You just don't get me. So when I talk to somebody who's been there, done that, or in the process of the same thing, I just feel this comfort level talking to them because mm -hmm. they hear me, they mm -hmm. understand me, they're not condescending. Mm -hmm. And I know these people don't mean to be condescending, but you know, when you're talking to somebody who has no idea what the hell you're talking about, oh, she'll be all right. Mm -hmm. She'll get it. I swear mm -hmm. you just want to knock them people to the floor. <laughs> it's so true. The highest ceiling, you don't know what the F you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Excuse my French. You don't. You haven't walked a day in my shoes. Your kid has been potty trained since two and a half, and I'm changing a five-year-old's diapers. Like, you just 
don't freaking get it. And I don't want you to pity me or give me um blanket. She'll be all right to make yourself feel better. Yeah. And maybe that's just me taking it harshly. And that might be a little bit. But those are realities that I know other special needs parents feel also. Yeah. And so with that being said, guys, you know, this is our first episode. We hope that you enjoy it. Um, we're a little excited about this, <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, and we look forward for you guys to stay tuned um, because we're going to talk about a lot. We're going to, you know, we're going to get into the nitty gritty again and not just special education because that's like one of the things. But it's a big topic for a lot of people. But outside of special education, as Nikki said, we got to think about parents' mental health. We got to think about the financial part of parenting. And, you know, we got to think about all that stuff. And so, you know, we're coming to you live here from Mom Became Mob. And again, we are making an oath to be boisterous. And we are looking forward to you to stay tuned. So we will see you later. Next time. Bye-bye. She's a mother, she's a fighter, hard worker, she's a beast Advocating for the mothers, call it mom, book a seat Hey, make it happen, do whatever for her family Never doubt her, got the power, this is mom, book a seat Woo!